Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Do I have some news to share with you today? So are you experiencing burnout and overwhelm as an introvert in your service-based business? It's time to stop comparing yourself to extroverts in your industry so you can focus on your strengths as an introvert to grow and scale your business. I want to invite you to my free five-day introvertpreneur summit happening April 26th through April 30th where you can hear from over 40 amazing speakers on everything from business building videos without ever having to be on camera to the three secrets to starting a profitable blog as an introvert in 2021, and so much more. This summit is completely free to attend. All you have to do is grab your free ticket from the link listed below in the show notes resources. See you there. Welcome to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. I am so excited to have a guest on today. Erin Alexander is an amazing conversion-based web design and marketing specialist, and I know she's going to have a lot of value to drop for you guys. So welcome, Erin. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you so much, Tara. I'm excited to be here. I guess just first tell us a little bit about you and how you got started in your business, because that's always interesting to hear people's stories. Yeah, so I am a web designer and podcaster, and uh, I started calling myself a Shopify startup expert. I help product-based businesses and women who want to start selling something that they love or that they usually something that they made. I help them get their store up and running online the right way without taking too long, without (laughs) all those stress and hassle. I've been doing this for about five years. And so I have, maybe we're going on six years now. I I have an entire team. We have a design agency and I also have a membership community where, you know, I can help people on a, you know, more personal level instead of just through my one-on-one services where we actually build Shopify stores. So I got started because I just wasn't fulfilled in my previous role. It was a great job. I worked for a small company and I was the lead designer, but it just didn't light my fire. It just was like day-to-day. It wasn't great for me. And I had my daughter at the time. Um, She was two and it was so difficult to like juggle where I was going to take her because we really don't have a lot of daycare options where I live. And my mother-in-law would watch her, but she wasn't really reliable. And it was like, it would just be so much easier if I didn't have to go to a job. And uh, so I started a business and it was very cool. At the time, my husband was working, but um, about a month later, we found out I was pregnant with my second son and my husband lost his job. And so it was like, suddenly I was the only breadwinner and I really ramped things up. 
I, I really contribute that to how I got started because without that, I probably would have dabbled and had a hobby for much longer, but I was kind of forced to go all in from the beginning. I'm really glad it worked out that way. Although at the time it felt really difficult. That's interesting. Yeah. So it, it, I feel like it would probably add an extra level of pressure to you to get the business going and getting clients and, and making it your full-time gig. Like you had a lot of pressure at that time. It sounds like. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of pressure. I was just doing like random graphic design when I started, like making social media graphics and making flyers, anything like that. But I realized that there was a lot more money. Like I could charge more for a website. Of course it was a lot more work, but I had forgotten about my love of web design. I had taken web design classes as long as I can remember. But as soon as I was like, oh, I have to make a lot more money. And I started offering web design. I was just reminded of how much I love web design. It did add a lot more pressure. (laughs) And it definitely adds a lot of value because I know I got started in the handmade business space as well. I started with a jewelry business and I've been in a lot of handmade communities where people really do struggle with getting their actual website and presence set up on Shopify. Like usually they'll start with Etsy or handmade at Amazon and then getting to their own website that they own is usually a natural step once they start making a substantial amount of income. But I feel like it's it's definitely a huge struggle point for a lot of entrepreneurs because it's just a lot of people, the tech side or the design side of it, it's just pretty overwhelming. Absolutely. I think the tech scares a lot of people. It scares them away. Like They're just afraid they won't be able to do it. They won't be able to manage it. And one of my core values from the beginning was to not only like build websites, but also like teach people and empower them to use their website because there is so much value in starting on Etsy or using handmade at Amazon. However, I truly believe you should have your website at the same time. Like they should always be working together because you never know what can happen. And I want to take away some of that fear because it's much easier than you think. I think if you can put a listing on Etsy or Amazon, you can put a listing on Shopify. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So I know you focus a lot too on SEO, which is search engine optimization. And that's something that I really push to my audience because whether you are a product-based seller or you sell services, having your website optimized and having people find you is the best and most effective use of your website to build your audience without like the long-term benefits of SEO is huge. So could you just touch on some of your best tips for SEO and like actually optimizing your website right from the start? Yeah. So I like to equate SEO to good user experience. So basically on your website, we want everything to be easy to find. We want it to be as simple as possible. That's what we call user experience when we're building a website. And this is so that it's really easy for people who land on your website to find what whatever it is they're looking for. And SEO is just a clear way of describing your stuff. So whether you sell a product or you have a service, SEO is how you describe it. So it's the keywords. And I know that that sounds scary, but keywords are just words people are using to find your stuff. 
So if you're a coach, they're using coaching and you're going to have to be a little more descriptive. And the more descriptive you are, the easier it is for people to find you. And that's all SEO is, is using more descriptive words so that people can find you. In a space like coaching, it's a little bit harder because there's all these different ways people might be looking for you. But this is where, you know, I know you talk about blogging and how effective that is. So like, because in the coaching industry, it is a little bit more broad. Well, when you use blog posts, it's giving people another option to find you, right? So someone who's looking for a coach might be looking to find out like, how do they change careers, right? That's something that people, you know, they're stuck in their career. They want support around, you know, making this big shift. They feel like they're starting over. So maybe a blog post about switching careers could be a way for people to naturally find you when you offer career coaching. I think if I was going to give like one big takeaway, it would just be to simplify your thought process so that it's more descriptive of what people are actually looking for. How to switch careers is a great example. It might still be a little too broad where there's too many blog posts or too many options showing up in search results. But a lot of times I'll see bloggers or business owners write blog posts, or especially the title that don't have keywords in them or don't or require context. And I always call those fluffy words. Like, for example, you know, if a client or a product-based business names their rose quartz necklace, Rosie, that's not going to help people find them. But if they call it a rose quartz necklace, that is what people are looking for. So if you can use your blog post titles to be descriptive of what you're talking about, then that's going to lead people to find you. I think that's a good point. Like so many people and entrepreneurs tend to overcomplicate SEO and keywords. Like they hear those, they hear SEO and they just freak out and it sounds so overwhelming and complicated. And it's really not, it's actually very simple. Yeah. And once you start understanding like what it actually means, it becomes intuitive. I had a coaching call last month with a client who was like, I I read your, I have a little SEO course for product-based businesses, like just teaching them how to create better product listings. And she was like, and as soon as I read it, I was like, duh, because I had literally just searched for some bronze picture frame. And she's telling me the story where she saw a picture. She loved the picture frame that was like hanging on the wall. So she started Googling for bronze picture frames. And then it was like, it clicked in her head about how she should be labeling her products. I think if we start thinking about how we search for things, then we can understand. Like for me right now, my daughter is going through some like, you know, seven-year-old problems. (laughs) And so I'm like searching, you know, how to help children work through their feelings, you know, and then you start to find bloggers who, or business owners who have type those types of blog posts, but in the natural progression of things, they also offer parenting support, you know, or parenting podcasts. And so if you start thinking about, about how you do certain things and apply that to how your readers will do the same thing, it, it becomes more innate. It, like it's not as overwhelming. I totally agree. Yeah. So what do you think has contributed um, the most to your success as you were building your business and first starting out? Yeah, I feel like a couple of things. I never quit. And that was a big one. And even when things get tough, I still don't quit. You know, like I'm, I'm six years in, I, things still get tough. Uh, I never quit. 
The other thing I really contributed to my success, like when my business started to explode, as they say, is when I started collaborating with others. I became a coach in a community full of my ideal clients. It elevated the way people thought of me and it really made me feel more confident because it was like, oh, this person who's really good at what they do and who's like well-known, they trust me enough to bring me into their community. I felt really like powerful and like, like, oh yeah, I do know what I'm doing. Once I started collaborating with other business owners and like, it's almost like you borrow their audience to get yourself in front of more people. That's when my business started exploding. And that's what I really think contributed to my success where I am today. I love that. First of all, don't give up. I feel like that's such an important message to share because I feel like so many of us as we're building and growing our businesses, like we've all had moments where we want to give up um, Mm -hmm. most likely, but we push through and that's how you get to a success point is pushing through those moments where you're feeling defeated or you're feeling imposter syndrome and you want to give up. And one thing I love is collaborating and networking. It doesn't have to be overwhelming for introverts. Like I really push podcasting as an option Mm -hmm. for like getting in front of your new target audiences and getting on podcasts that your target audience are listening to. And I feel like that is kind of an introvert friendly method for tapping into those audiences too. But I love that you do that. That's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. You don't have to um, like, you know, walk into a room where everyone's wearing a name tag to network necessarily. At the beginning of my business, I also did coffee chats where you just schedule a meeting with another business owner and chat for 15, 30 minutes. And it was just a great way to get to know people. And then after you've had a coffee chat with someone, they're going to be more likely to refer someone else to you. So it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. I love that you call it coffee chats because I feel like that <laughs> for introverts, especially that would kind of take the pressure off of calling it a discovery call or a sales call. Like just having a normal coffee chat with somebody and seeing how you can collaborate or benefit each other or work together in the future. And even if nothing comes of it, like I've had people that I have connected with reach out a year later. So you just never know yeah. um, where those connections are going to lead. Yeah. And I really go into it with the perspective that it's not a sales call. Like I'm not there to pitch. I'm just there to get to know this person. And it's been really great. Like there's some people that I had coffee chats with when I started five years ago that I'm still friends with on Instagram. It's a great way to just still support it in your business. Yeah. Especially during these times, I feel like connection is, I know as introverts are probably loving it right now, being at home more. But there comes to a point where you do need to have actual connection. And even if it's over Zoom or if you get on Clubhouse, for example, and make connections via just audio where there's no video, I think we're all craving a little bit of connection right now. One question I wanted to ask you that I feel like a lot of people that listen to the podcast do struggle with growing their business or feeling confident in their business or scaling it and feeling like an expert in their business. So at what point in your business did you feel successful? Was it when you were invited into that community as a coach or was there an earlier point where you were like, yes, this is happening and this is going to be my full-time job and this is going to be amazing? (laughs) That's a really good question. I never... 
I never did it part-time because of like the situation where my husband lost his job. And then it was like, I had a, I had a newborn at home and I didn't, I knew I wouldn't be able to work outside of my house. So I feel like I have a little bit of a different perspective, but there was definitely a point where I felt successful. However, looking back, I wish I had known that you can be in the struggle and you can be building and growing and still be successful. You know, every sale, every win is still success. And the two things like struggling and learning and growing is not the opposite of success. They they really do go together because every time you learn something new, it's success. But when did I start really feeling successful? I think and early in my business, I set this like big goal to make a certain amount of money per month. And I did, I never hit it like for three years. <laughs> I did not hit it. And then I got like $4 away and it was like, what's going on here? Because I started to realize like, again, that thing where it's more about the journey than like some pivotal point. There was a point where I felt successful. I do think it aligns with when I started coaching in the community. I felt like it wasn't just me saying I was successful. Like they were saying, oh, hey, here's Erin. Listen to what she has to say. But the funny thing is that I didn't learn anything new between the first point and the second point. You know, like the stuff I had known and the stuff I talked about were still in me. So I like to, like when I'm coaching, and talking about this, I like to tell people that you already have what it takes to be successful. You don't need someone else to tell you that you're successful. You don't need someone else to like put the spotlight on you. You already have what it takes. I love that. That is so powerful too. What you yeah. just said there. That is awesome. <laughs> I hope everyone made a note of that quote because it's so true. How everyone measures success can be so different and like I definitely have put revenue goals, but they're not top of mind to me because in one way, it depends on my effort, of course, but it also depends on other people. So right. if I love to measure like my success on what I'm putting out or how many people I'm reaching, not necessarily customers, which I know isn't like the bottom line because we all need to make money in our business for sure. But I found that focusing less on the dollar value and more on the impact has made me feel more successful. Because did you ever feel like during that three-year point where you set that huge goal that, and you didn't hit it for those three years, were you starting to question yourself or was it more like a oh, driving yeah. determination? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I was always questioning myself right before I started to feel like my business, like the point where it started to take off, I was sitting in a bar of all places. It's like a little, like they call it um, a bistro. So like you, it's technically a bar, but you can get like lunch there. So I was having lunch with my two business friends that I have locally and I was crying in public. So I was like, <laughs> I'm going to apply to be a substitute teacher. Cause that was always my fallback that I thought I could just be a substitute teacher because they always need subs, right? You don't have to have any qualifications to be a substitute teacher. No offense. That sounded terrible. I just mean like I have a degree. It's all I need, right? <laughs> I'm very grateful for teachers, but I just thought that would be, that's what I could do. And I was crying and feeling like this is it. This is the end. And then things started to pick up and 
I still think like, man, I'm so glad I didn't quit. There was also this point right, right when I started my business, when my old company offered my job, my job back. And honestly, being pregnant with a husband who didn't have a job, I was probably stupid that I didn't take it. But it led me to where I am today. And I don't regret that. So yes, I absolutely felt like it was never going to happen for me. But I also think everyone takes their own timeline. Everyone has different things in their life. One of my good friends has only been in her business three years, and she's already wildly successful. And sometimes you get a little jealous, but keep your blinders on and focus on your own paper. You'll feel more fulfilled in the process. Yeah, definitely. I love like competitor research is is important, but if you find that you're losing your focus, looking at competitors and starting to feel negative thoughts, like why is this person so successful and I'm not, or they started their business way later than me and how are they getting all this success? Then that's the point where you need to refocus and put those blinders back on and focus on your own business because everyone's journey is different. My journey had so many ups and downs and I feel like Mm -hmm. almost every entrepreneur has those same pathways as they go through navigating as an entrepreneur. So... Yeah. One of the things I did early on was remove other designers from my Instagram. Like I don't follow other designers anymore so that I could not feel like I had to compare myself to them. Just so I, you know, they weren't showing up in my feed. I mean, also, why would you follow your own audience? I mean, your own peers, because they're not your audience, right? So I think there's definitely a fine line between like doing competitor research and then taking it upon yourself to like feel less than because something that you think that they're doing better than you. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. You don't need to follow them to do competitor research because then they're always going to be in your feed and they're always going to be right in your face. And it's going to get a little overwhelming as you are trying to focus on your journey and your business. So yeah, that's yeah. a good, good point. <laughs> the other thing I don't want to do is I don't want to ever copy someone unintentionally, you know, like, oh, maybe I saw them say this and I regurgitate it. And I'm like, oh, wait, that wasn't my idea. I don't want to like copy it. So I'm very careful in that point too, about not necessarily following people who do the same thing I do. Yeah, that's so true. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your SEO course um, for product-based businesses. Cause I know we do have quite a few that do listen to the podcast just cause that's, yeah where my audience originally came from and was built from. So I'm sure there are many of them listening that would love to hear more about that. Yeah. uh, So it's called Simplified SEO for Shop Owners. It really walks you through every part of your website, where you put keywords. Also, I teach you how to even find keywords because I know that that is overwhelming. It's just a fancy word for saying descriptive words. <laughs> so it goes through every part of your website telling you where do keywords go? Why do they go there? How does this show up on Google? How does this translate? You know, what do you do after you're done? How long is it going to take to get results? Because it does take a while to see any kind of payoff from SEO. Um, although sometimes it can be rather quick. It usually takes a couple of months and then there's some trial and error, but it walks through every part. So what do you do on your homepage? What do you do on your collection pages? What do you do on your product pages? How do you do this on your about page? The whole thing. There's examples. And it's really cheap. It's only $49 because I just wanted to make it accessible. But I also 
poured a lot into it. It's pretty meaty. It's like 30 page workbook and it has videos that go along with it. And it's all, it's very great. I've been getting reviews back. I finally started asking for reviews and I've heard really great things about it. Like people are loving it. Which is awesome. Yeah. I was, that sounds like an amazing, incredible value because I know so many people struggle with SEO and the fact that you've made it more simplified. I feel like a lot of people are going to be diving into that because (laughs) it's definitely a a touchy topic I've found in like Facebook groups Mm -hmm. or handmade business owners, especially I find that anytime anyone talks about SEO, there is a lot of confusion happening. And I feel like it's also because there's so much information out there and maybe some of it is outdated or some of it is incorrect. And then because you specifically work with Shopify and that's where a lot of those business owners are building their own website. I feel like that is very beneficial too for building that website and getting your website ranking right from the start. Yeah. I think there's a couple things that happen. First of all, there are like super technical levels of SEO where people are like changing code. And I don't go into that because you don't have to do that to rank. Like I have business owners that I've worked with for years who do rank even just doing what I teach. So yes, there is more technical types of SEO. It's not necessary for product-based businesses. The other thing I always like caution about is that just because you're ranking on Etsy or some other platform doesn't mean it's exactly the same as what you should do on your own website, which is why I teach it separate. Like I don't, I never say like this will work for you on Etsy because they are different platforms and they have different rules. So I try to teach people how to take their website outside of that box. You know, Etsy puts it in this little Etsy shaped orange box. And we're like, how do we take it outside of that box and put it into the entire internet? It is about just making it so that it feels approachable because it doesn't have to be like that big technical thing that, you know, people are trying to get you to buy. Like, I feel like there's also some scammy parts of SEO. That's why this is actually why I don't even offer SEO services. I I don't optimize other people's products anymore because I think it's such a valuable part of running a business because every time you create a new listing, you have to know how to put it out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to make it so that it's like, you know, it's empowering to learn and to, then you don't have to hire someone every time you put up a new listing. Yeah, that's a good point too, because that would get very expensive, oh, um, yeah. especially if you created a lot of products um, continuously, that would get very costly. And under- getting the understanding of doing it yourself, I feel like is very valuable. And I know a lot of people like when Handmade at Amazon got really huge, a lot of people were coming to Amazon from Etsy and were getting so confused because the SEO is different and how you format keywords is different on listings between the two. Then you add in your website, which is completely different as well. And that I think increases the level of overwhelm with SEO Mm -hmm. that there's multiple ways to do it depending on what platform you are on and optimizing it for. Yeah, there really are. And I always like to think of them as like separate things, you know, some of the information translates really well. And if you're really good at describing your products, that's going to translate, but where you put it and how it goes on your website is going to be different for each platform. Yeah, that's really good. How you just said that very simplified. And I feel like people (laughs) that alone will help people 
understand it. Cause that's the thing I always pushed with Amazon people that were coming from Etsy. I was like, you need to get out of the Etsy brain when it comes right. to formatting um, your keywords, because it's completely different on Amazon. So the keywords are essentially going to be the same. It's just how you format them and put them in on Amazon is going to be a little bit different. People I feel like have been on that have been on Etsy for five, 10 years, even kind of get set in that way. Like they've learned Etsy SEO and how best to format their listings. And then they go to a new platform like Shopify and they're completely confused about the differences. That's a great point. One of my longtime clients, like I've been working with her the entire time I've had my business. And even before that, I was her assistant for a little bit. She does very well on Etsy, but she wasn't getting traffic to her website. And I started teaching her SEO and I, I taught her how to like overhaul. I used to call it a SEO overhaul. So we overhauled her website and she started getting sales on her website like every day. So <laughs> so she went from getting, you know, like a few sales a week to getting sales every single day. And now her driving force is Google search. And she's like, I was really good. I, you know, I'm really successful on Etsy. And I'm like, yeah, you are, you're great, but they're not the same thing. So there's definitely a translation piece where you have to like, you have to know the difference. A lot of the information is the same, but it goes in different places and it is listed out differently. Um, But that is a really great example of what you're talking about. Yeah. And I feel like SEO, it's so beneficial, like for that client that you're talking about getting daily sales organically from Google. And that's going to be long-term results because you have your website optimized. You're using the right keywords. Google is ranking it and people are making purchases that they click through. Um, So that's going to help your SEO and the algorithm continue to rank you for longer. I feel like the benefits of SEO, like, yes, it's overwhelming. It's It can be a little scary, but it's not as scary as people make it out to be. So once you really understand it and get your website optimized with the right keywords, the long-term benefits are so amazingly worth it. It's the same thing I say with Pinterest. It's like it, mm-hmm. it can take a while because it's an algorithm. It takes a while to rank and get things indexed properly. But then once you start seeing results, you can continue seeing results for years, which is a huge benefit when it comes to the amount of time that it actually takes to do that versus, say, Instagram, where you're constantly having to engage and network and create posts and write captions and hashtag research every day, like the time commitment is amazing. um, Once you look at it as a long-term strategy. Yeah, it really is a long-term strategy. The other thing I like to say about SEO is like, it's like giving your, your business a visibility boost. You know, it's, it's more about the long-term than what you're doing right now. And so even if I could just teach people that SEO is about visibility, because they'll put on their to-do list that I need to get more visible. But if they started to correlate that with SEO, then they could take advantage of it for for years to come. Definitely. I just wanted to add, you have shared so much awesome information. And I know that people may have come into this confused about SEO, but are maybe seeing that it's worth spending the time to actually look into it and and figure out how it works and your program is absolutely amazing for the 
cost. I can't believe how much value there is in that for the cost that you're offering it at. It is an amazing deal. So if you are struggling with SEO, you definitely need to grab that. We will have the link below. So where else can people find you online? I know you have a podcast. So if you wanted to share that, um, we'd love to link that below too. And tell us a little bit more about that. I do everything um, at Product Powerhouse. So my podcast and my business are all Product Powerhouse. And then that's my handle on Instagram also. And that is where I do the most like social bit. We also have a Facebook community, the Product Powerhouse community. So if you are searching for like Product Powerhouse, you will find me. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. So is there any other final thoughts or any little thing that you wanted to drop as we close out? I can't think of anything new, but I just want to, again, say don't give up and that struggling is not the opposite of success. Awesome. So powerful. Thank you so much for being here. It was so much fun. And I know that you've given so much value to our listeners. Thank you, Tara. I have had the best time. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways that we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at introvert-coach.com and at introvertpreneur.com, where you will find tons of blog posts and resources that'll also help you grow your business. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you're loving about the podcast so that I can encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.